everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Pierre and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. I was, I was tempted to try like say the whole thing again backwards, but I'm not going to do it. So, <laughs> I hesitated. I thought, you know what, no, I can't, well, I can't. We have to do it, yeah. Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about sci-fi movies. We get together every week. We've watched the movie we talk about. This is actually an extra episode because we have a new release in theaters of all places that we are mm-hmm. going to talk about. And that is Christopher Nolan's Tenet. 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 I feel you can like... say it like the characters do in the show. Tenants. <laughs> Tenants. So, yes, this is the big new, uh, you know, high concept movie from Christopher Nolan, which was supposed to come out in July and got pushed a few times. Uh, arguably should have been pushed maybe a bit more, but they were determined to get this out in some fashion. Uh, this is the first time I went to a theater since February, so that was a a weird experience. Uh, mm-hmm. But here we are. So we'll start spoiler free as we always do. We'll give you warning before we go into spoilers. Uh, the premise of the film, which I we can't really say too much about, but uh, let's just say it does involve some things going backwards in time, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Uh, because the trailers were intentionally very you know mysterious and vague about. What was actually going on because Nolan loves to have the mystery and loves to not have spoilers for the movie and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. we'll keep the actual plot details very light. We'll give our impressions and whatnot, and then we'll give you the spoiler warning and go into the rest of that stuff after. So yes, uh, so we recently just reviewed Inception. Uh, Tara revealed that she's not like a huge Nolan fan, uh, so that that's uh, maybe I, interesting. I like his movies, yeah. Yeah, you like, but you don't love. I don't love. Yeah. Uh, whereas I have typically loved these movies, uh, Dunkirk being the huge gaping exception uh, to that. But Dunkirk is an exception for me as well. Yes, and it's the one that you do love. I find it exceptional. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exceptionally boring. Uh, so, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. So that's, uh, I mean, first things first, I guess, Tara, uh, did you enjoy Tenet? I liked it a lot. Okay. When do you know it? Positive, yes. <laughs> uh, I also liked it a lot. However, I will say that I liked it a lot in spite of some things. Mm-hmm. There is There there are critiques to be had here. And it's, it's kind of this weird thing because after Dunkirk, and I know the way I'm going to phrase this is going to upset you dearly, but after Dunkirk, like, I was really hoping for his next film to kind of like, you know, regain my trust. You know, regain my... <laughs> my passion for his films, right? Because Dunkirk was kind of like... back in it. <laughs> because Dunkirk was this kind of like, oh, do I have to be like worried now about Nolan movies? Because I've always liked them up until this point, and now I have to be concerned that the next one might be another Dunkirk. And I, I, like, I didn't want to We should be that. so lucky. <laughs> I didn't want to have to worry about that. Because you know, you know, I've seen it happen with other directors. Duncan Jones, he made Moon, which is like ex- exceptional little masterpiece. Mm-hmm. He made Source Code, and which, Warcraft. Is, which is really solid. And then he made Warcraft. Uh, Wait, do you not have the same point? <laughs> no, we do not. Uh, I never saw Warcraft, admittedly, because I, I, I had no interest. But I did see his film after that called Mute, and it was basically garbage. So, yeah, I've, I've seen this happen with all the directors. Sometimes it's early on, sometimes it's later. Brian De Palma, he went down the toilet after a certain point in his career, after being exceptional for a long time. 
you know, uh, other directors kind of of that that era. John Carpenter, masterpiece after masterpiece. Well, he had some sort of middling stuff in between, but mostly masterpieces for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he hit the nineties, and things really started to dwindle and so on. So there is a worry that Christopher Nolan, you know, he has his heyday in the two thousands and twenty tens, but maybe towards the end of the twenty tens, maybe it was start starting to unravel. At least if you liked his earlier films, maybe maybe it's a little bit different in that there'll be a camp like Tara who prefers what Dunkirk was and what Yeah, I think his later films are better. <laughs> I think he keep I think I don't think he's made his best movie yet. I hope that's true. I hope that's true. I just I hope I agree with what when it happens in the sense that it's not like Dunkirk where I'm like, no, you crazy person. <laughs> just admit that Dunkirk wasn't made for you. It was not It's not a bad me. movie, it's a great movie. It was not made for me, but it's it's not what I want from a Christopher Nolan film in any way. It's definitely expertly form. directed. I, yeah, I can't say anything against that. That's right, mm-hmm. but I want to be excited about my Christopher Nolan film. It's the same. I know. Don't worry. I mean, you got Batman in this one. T- 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 technically, yes, the Batman was in this movie. But it, t- go back to the Duncan Jones comparison. Like, Warcraft was such a depressing time because I loved his first two movies. And then it was like, now he's going to spend five years of his career on something I don't give a shit about. It was it's so depressing. Yeah, but depressing. I did. <laughs> I don't even did, but I As saying... someone who played all the Warcraft games, like, I was really excited to get a Warcraft movie. And it was very faithful to what fans wanted, which, because it was a movie for us, not for you. Like, I, I didn't see Mute. Clearly, that's not a good movie, and I respect your opinion enough to not watch it. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't. I mean, you watch it if you want to see what it's like. I mean, I mean as a... like, like... Dunkirk, Warcraft wasn't made for you. Sadly, Mute is a science fiction film, so eventually we're probably going to... I guess, yeah. If you really get upset with me over an opinion, you might make me watch it. (laughs) What's that might mean? (laughs) Retribution. It means that you have a lot of control over this. Over our watch list. Okay, I'm not... We're not playing that game. The, the amount of stuff that's on our to-do list because Tara demands it. I am not even beginning to take the the blame of being this like harsh over ruler person. Okay, like for every one Tara movie, we get like eighteen Peter movies. That is that is such bullshit. <laughs> that is such bullshit. I'm not going to go through the list and point out all the ones that you. You're just bitter about Sphere. Anyway, let's get on with the review. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, no, I like Tara. I like Tara. And I, I think I'm going to have some critiques to talk about. I think to get the sort of the broad strokes positives out of the way uh, immediately, obviously we can't really talk about them yet properly until mm-hmm. spoilers, but I will say I love what the premise of the movie is. I love the concepts. I love what it pushes in terms of those concepts. Mm-hmm. Um. I love, for the most part, how it tackles them. There's definitely some stuff that I think could have went a little bit further. Um, but, like, basically that's the creativity that I like out of Christopher Nolan. It's, it's when he takes a concept and he goes absolute nuts with it. But, but he treats it with, like, a respect. He sort of treats it like, no, this should be treated like an A concept. This is, like, something that belongs in a, a big movie that should be treated like it's a, an important idea and not just, like, a, you know, a schlocky B-movie thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So that, that you know, that's my main big point. Obviously, I a good cast. I think on for my like main positive, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the action. I think the action set pieces are all tense. They're all amazing to watch. They're very good. 
They are very They're good. really, really exceptional. Um, which is funny because notably action was the, the, the one key point that he wasn't necessarily at his best in some of his earlier films. Uh, notably though, uh, that was more hand-to-hand combat, but that is better here. However, the standouts are still stuff that involve either vehicles or mm. other things like that because there's a, the car chase in this is... Really like, good. Is wonderfully unique. Uh, mm-hmm. is maybe the best thing I can say about it. And I think the music's a really big factor in that as well. Uh, Ludwig, or whatever, whoever, it's not Hans Zimmer anymore, there's a Ludwig uh, doing this, not by, not Beethoven, but <laughs> a more uh, Ludwig contemporary. Van. <laughs> <laughs> a very old Ludwig Van. Um, <laughs> but like, there's this pulse to it, there's this sort of like pounding that comes in. However, mm-hmm. that does kind of lead to one of the main complaints that I've seen many people talk about. Uh, I know Tara shares this complaint, and sadly... For the first time in these movies, I actually do share this complaint. Um, Christopher Nolan has went a little bit mad when it comes to his sound mix, and I don't... Like, it's one thing, because some people complained about Dark Knight Rises, and I never had a problem with Dark Knight Rises sound mix, and I don't think every line of dialogue is something that's important. To me, if it's something that's not clearly audible, that's the sound mix's way of telling you it's not actually an important piece of dialogue it's there because talking is you know technically there in the background but it's not important however the first time the word tenet is said in this movie it's hard to hear yeah <laughs> like i was like having to because it's in the trailers the scene in the trailer where uh the the sort of the middle-aged white dude's talking to uh, uh his, his character is the protagonist but uh john david washington's character right and he's basically saying hey there's, there's just a word that's all there is tenet right but when he's but it's in the actual movie the sound of the waves crashing against the boat mm-hmm. is so goddamn loud that this this important scene that the, 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 the teasing yeah. the teasing exposition that draws them into the, the movie's plot because up until this point everything's kind of separate mm-hmm. this is the conversation that sets them on the path of what the movie's actually about and it's hard to hear what the guy is saying and that's not the only time it occurs oh, like no, it no, is I- constant throughout the entirety of the film and this is a movie that you really need to pay attention to because it is a riddle yeah i'm only bringing up that specific example because i think it's the most notable one i think it's the one that sticks out is this is the first time in the beginning your concepts are 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 mentioned at all and it's not even just that tenants are made up words so it's not even like you know sometimes when you don't hear things properly your mind kind of fills in the obvious blanks because you hear mm-hmm. enough that your mind kind of puts the... It reconstructs it, right? It's like reconstructive surgery. It knows how to fill in the gaps and it'll give you what it says. Yeah. But see, when the words are new, you can't do that. It mm-hmm. sounds... like It just sounds like broken noise and you can't actually make it up. The, the first 15, 20 minutes, all the characters... It's a really impressively shot action sequence, but all the characters are wearing gas masks. There's pounding mm-hmm. music. Uh, they're all muffled in their gas masks. It is impossible to hear most of what they're saying yeah and it's something i basically got to a point that whenever it was a scene where there was a reason for other noise to be there i got worried that i was going to miss important dialogue that was going to help me understand something there's a scene like halfway through the movie where they're having a conversation but they're on like this little fancy like boat that rises up out of the water mm-hmm. uh it's not quite oh, yeah p- all of that yeah. is just bubbled up because you get the yeah. crashing of the waves they're talking over a walk, like a microphone system, so it's already got that static on it. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is all really important. Like, why can't I hear it? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, there's actual important exchanges happening in that scene. And- there's also a, a character that gets introduced maybe like a third of the way through the film, and her dialogue is also very important. 
And mm-hmm. I had a hard time understanding like maybe 40% of what she was saying. And there's some major plot points around that character that I was lost by. And I'm pretty sure I won't be when I watch it with subtitles on DVD. And yeah, I was, I was begging for subtitles at a certain point. I was like, oh my gosh, I went to uh, an audio, not an audio description, but like a, a caption screening. Just, just like, and I shouldn't be yeah. thinking that with a movie that's in English. <laughs> I shouldn't be thinking that. Um, right. And it's, it's, you know, I, I've heard, I don't know if this actually came from a, a, an actual quote from Nolan, but I've heard people online, so that's maybe complete bullshit. But I've heard it's, it's like, it's intentional because if you're struggling to hear it, it's forcing you to pay more attention because you're listening for things. And I'm like, maybe it's, I was thinking maybe because he didn't have all the answers, so he just made all the answers garbled up. No, it's there. That's, it's, this is the, no, this is you the can't thing. have details. No, this is the thing. Everything, I am positive all of this is going to, because Inception's a movie that a lot of the little things when you first came out of it, you're mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, I don't know how that quite works and that quite works. But see, when you watch it like, a few times, and this is a movie that I'm sure benefits from repeat viewings, but mm-hmm. when you go back and watch Inception again and again, ultimately, all the little things you might have had questions about, every time you rewatch it, you'll find that you're starting to get answers to some of them because you're noticing a lot of little details that you miss because they're just quick little lines here or there's quick little details there. I, I buy completely that Nolan thought about all of this thoroughly and he's got mapped out beyond the point that I can even comprehend at this point because I've only seen the movie once. So I don't think for a second that he's doing it to hide anything. This is some weird choice to make us listen for things. But the mm-hmm. problem is, is that even as someone who does pay attention, especially in movies like this, I was just feeling like I was not hearing things because I just couldn't hear them. And yeah. I, I, it, it felt alienating in a way. So it started to actively piss me off every single time I got to a scene where I couldn't hear dialogue properly. Especially, because sometimes it wasn't so bad. Like sometimes when it was the middle of an action scene and they're just yelling things like go there or move there. It's like, yeah, okay. They're, they're just yelling generic action lines because it's the, the scene they're in. But then there'd be like actual important exchanges that are explaining what's going on or explaining like very high concepts that are not normal movie concepts. Yeah. Uh, because this movie does have a very complicated science fiction core at it, which we'll you'll yeah, get to most of the spoilers. So. But uh, it takes some explaining. And I can't say I understand every little detail in the plot completely. I get the core mechanics. I get the gist of everything that's happening. But, you know, I'm sure Tower's going to say, can you explain this? And I'm going to say no, once we actually get to certain points of the plot. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I'm just basing this on Inception. <laughs> <laughs> I like um, this more than Inception. Um, I can't agree with that. I I know. Yeah, I, I came out of this and I liked it. I definitely had problems with it, but I still really liked everything it was doing. Um, I think what's weird for me is that this, out of all of Nolan's films, not counting the Batman ones, obviously, because they're kind of a separate thing, this is the only original Nolan film that feels like it's not done. And I don't mean that in the sense that it feels like an unfinished film. I mean that in the sense that it feels like it's part one of like a trilogy or something because so much stuff is set up mythology-wise that is barely tapped into in this. That, like, I mean, I I don't see him doing a sequel again outside of Batman, where that was obviously going to be more than one thing because it's Batman. Um, I I don't see like Nolan doing sequels, but this one kind of feels like it's begging for it, and I, I th- that's kind of weird for me because I don't know if he's going to ever actually do it. I think it I think it stands up all right on its own. Um because we get like the major I mean if they wanted to make sequels I wouldn't be opposed to it. 
But if this is the only Tenet Universe film we got, I'd be alright with it. I mean, I'd be fine with it, but I don't think it's as satisfying as Inception or some of these other films. I think Inception has a way more emotional core that I think hits a lot harder by the end. Yeah, the emotional core for this movie is centered around um, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, her character. Yeah, Cat. I'd, I, uh, I, I didn't really care for it as much. Um, I liked elements of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think the problem with that plot is how much you like, or, or maybe like's not the right word, but how much you buy into the villain of the movie, played by Kenneth Branagh, who honestly, <laughs> like, one of my nitpicks of this movie might be his performance is a bit, like, very, I don't know, cliched Why, maybe hard. Yeah, cliched might be a bit harsh, but, like, the whole like angry obsessive rich dude who'll threaten to kill anyone who just looks at his wife for more than a mm-hmm. second is just a little bit i don't know it just felt a, a bit i don't know generic and it, odd in the context of the movie it was it was i thought he was a little miscast as well i mean i really like kenneth Branagh as an actor and as a director i think he's a fantastic director but he um I mean, he's doing an accent, and not that that's not possible, it's just he sort of might be, like, whisper-mumbling his lines because it's an accent, or I think maybe just getting a Russian guy would have been better. Mm. Or Ukrainian, um, I don't know if he was I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about it more in spoilers. I, I just, I feel like he comes off as a little bit hokey to me, which is a shame. Um, I think he's maybe the weakest... I mean, the biggest problem might be the sound issue, but like I think out of the plot elements, I think him, he's kind of the biggest plot weakness of the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame, because he, he does factor quite a bit, and he's supposed to be quite menacing, so uh, that would be the big complaint I'd have about the plot. But the all the mechanics of it, all that stuff I really like, and the stuff yeah. that hints at The sci-fi that I also... stuff, I was really into. The action I was really into. I yeah, thought the, the set pieces especially were very good. The stuff that it hints at in a larger and the way, scale yeah and the way the, the story plays out is like it's fun like it's well, a really the, fun ride the stuff that it hints at on a larger scale that kind of gets your mind kind of going yeah i really like um, <laughs> yeah me too but i you know th- th- there, there are issues with it and I, I think that's something that we'll we'll talk about uh when we get into yeah. the, 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 the details um i'm gonna say I, I can't again i can't say too much about this until we get into spoilers but i saw it before you did and I, mm-hmm. I gave you a, a kind of a, a, a teaser joke because I thought it was actually kind of apt. And I just, I'm going to say what I said to Tara. And I, 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 want, I want Tara's thoughts on this joke that I, I, I sort of cracked. I don't remember. Well, I'm about to tell you what it is. Yeah, but I don't remember you texting me. So. <laughs> I remember what the joke was. Go ahead. Anyway, I said uh, that Primer had prepared her for this. Yeah, and okay, yeah. Do you see why I cracked that joke now that you've yes. seen the movie? Yeah. It's kind of like a $200 million version of Primer in a lot of ways. <laughs> it really is. It's a lot of... Um, it, there's a, You really... That's why the it's so bizarre, the choice to make the dialogue so quiet versus the environment. Because this really is a movie that you don't want to get lost in. Like, you want to... You want to keep up with it. And you know the answers are there. You just need to figure it out but the more you think about it the harder it is to keep up almost like without having somebody else to bounce ideas off of or 
write things down or, mm. you know, you need to, there's nothing about this film that is simple. It is very complex. Yeah. Uh, there's surprising comparisons to Primer, especially once it gets further on and there's like some elements that are kind of kind of revealed. It's not obviously an exact match. The, the Primer has nothing that's literally going backwards uh, like in time, but... No, but I mean, the rules are very complex. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um, I'm just trying to think of what else we can talk about before we go into... Uh, I mean, the cast. I mean, I, I mean, obviously we mentioned uh, Brana. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the, the leads are all fairly solid uh yeah i agree um it's my my problem with cat and her emotional um like centerpiece of the film like mm-hmm. she's top billing on the cast list not over pattinson and john david washington i mean on imdb anyway because i think it's supposed to be her movie but um there are when we get into spoilers i'll well, talk more say, about it say. like how i say Another character is literally called the protagonist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I would agree that it's more like he's the star, but the the yeah. core of the movie, the heart of the film, is her, right? She's our she's our emotion. She's what this whole thing is about, really. Mm. And um, but there, I really wish that they did more with her, and like her kid. <laughs> There's about like 80% of the time she was on screen, I forgot she even had a kid. And that's like a big part of the film. <laughs> I just wish I saw more of the family. Like if this was going to be so important for the film and the overall plot, like I I, re- I really wish I got more of her and the emotional side of it, not just seeing her be hurt or put in danger. Mm. Um. I would actually, if I'm going to critique anything else, I would say that, that some of this stuff in the first half does move a bit too quickly. Um, I would really appreciate the slowing down um, mm-hmm. and kind of basking. And it's already two and a half hours long, so I realize that saying some of it should slow down is maybe a bit of a, a risky, you know, recommendation given the length of the movie already. But um, there's definitely times where I actually, I mean, the editing for the most part is really good, especially during the action sequences. But there was mm-hmm. one or two dialogue scenes early on where I feel like it was cutting face to face, you know, back and forth like really quickly to the point where i'm like okay you're actually almost giving me a headache with how much you're cutting back and forth um slow down let some of these <laughs> details sink in it felt like it was you know rushing through uh lots of exposition and lots of like yeah uh, but i do kind of like how the movie's essentially broken down into various like missions like heist missions mm-hmm. uh you can kind of split it up into like okay so they're going to this uh free port for this thing or they're going to this place yeah. for this thing and it's all very exciting and very yeah. tense and really well directed. All those scenes, like those are the the highlights of the film, and and the way the the story is structured, which we'll get into, it's also just very fun. Yeah, uh, so uh, I think that's pretty much all we can really do in spoiler free. So uh, I did get to see it twice. You did get to see it twice. Uh, <laughs> I'll put that out there. Yes. <laughs> so in the uh, same day, it was long day i think yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll go into the, the spoilers now although before we do i will take this time to thank our patrons for the month so thank you to tyler hess and the palisades david sharp board now al tribesman christopher moy and brett williams they are patreon producers for the the month uh, that means they are 20 dollars or more on patreon.com slash tv but they don't have to be 20 dollars or more do they tara why no if you enjoy our reviews and our show please check out our patreon page it's patreon.com slash tv and donating as little as one dollar per month will get you access to bonus episodes of the ace so if you're wondering where your 
favorite B movies are, like, I don't know, The Transfer Saga or Judge Dredd or Time Cop, uh, Free Jack, please check out our Patreon page because there's actually quite a few of those fun movie reviews on there. And if you donate $5 per month, you will get access to our Ace Reviews one day early and other shows we do a week early. So please check that out. Thank you. Wonderful. Now mm. do it backwards. Nope. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> Most days I do it backwards anyway. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah. So, full spoilers that from this point on for tonight. Um, man, there's so there's so much in this movie. Uh, yeah. Because the, the opening is kind of this this mission that we don't get a lot of context for. Like, you know. Uh, the protagonist is there as part of like a, a special SWAT team trying to save someone from an assassination or something. Yeah, we're at an opera effect. house in Russia. Yeah, and there's a lot of like you know timing, like the the gas. It's not like an orchestra like performance, and uh, gunmen come in, and then the the, the SWAT teams not that not our main SWAT team, but the several like you know police forces there, and they like gas the the hall so that all the the you know the hostages, if you want to call them that, all fall asleep. Um, and then they go in with a gas mask and blah blah. Uh, but the one like, because you're sort of waiting for like, okay, when's the, when's the first hint of what this is really going to be going to be? And there's just one moment when he's struggling with someone, and there's like a, you know, like a bit of the wood has been chipped as if something's already hit it, like mm-hmm. near his head, and you kind of see it sort of go backwards and sort of reform, and as if the bullet goes back the way, and to go. And I say, I say that as if you can see all this detail. You can't. It's a very quick, just sort of it reforms and whoosh, that's it. Yeah. Well, uh, you can see like a little bit of mist, like coming towards it, towards the bullet hole. Like it, it's it's mm. not working correctly with the physics in the room. So there's yeah. a little bit of a buildup that catches his attention. Yeah, but I mean, importantly, it's just it's going in reverse. It's it's a bullet shot in reverse. Like the the damage is already there, and then it whooshes and. You know, like, and it's just this little thing where he he notices it, but obviously he's too busy fighting for his life to really, you know, spend much time you know pondering it. So, mm-hmm. uh, life goes on, um, and he gets tortured for a bit uh, by the. Well, he also picks up uh, a thing that connects him to Kenneth Branagh's character there. So he's there because he's been told that there's uh, plutonium two forty one inside. That that that's why the terrorists are there because they're trying to take it. There's some kind of a deal going on. And he gets it instead, and it's just this cartridge, like, rectangle or square cartridge thing that he doesn't know what it is. You can tell Tara saw this twice, because I did not remember that that was in this part of the movie. Yeah. Um, well, th- that's the whole reason, like, this scene is even in here, because it does connect him to Brana's character later on, which mm-hmm. I only got the second time. Yeah. No, I remember when, when that object showed up later on, I remembered it appearing earlier on, but I could never have told you mm-hmm. what scene it appeared in. Like I was like, oh, I remember seeing this cube thing earlier, but I, I like I, yeah. I never could have told you when or like, what context it popped up. Uh, but he gets tortured for a bit, and then like remember he tried- when I said uh, when I said Nolan loves trains, he gets tortured around trains. He does. It's like a train yard, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he, he takes this poison pill, uh, suicide pill, thinking that it's going to kill him, but it actually doesn't. It's a lie, and he wakes up on a on a ship. And basically, this mysterious guy tells him about Tanette, and I can say, could barely hear the dialogue in this scene. Uh, yeah, it, it was it, like, it's such a fundamental. It's it's so weird. You've you've got Christopher Nolan who has made several amazing movies, and he's still doing like 
so much amazing work in this very film mm-hmm. and yet this fundamental like this is basic... not a new critique either for his films this is different no this is not like the other ones this is uh, well i've had this critique for other films and you said that that other reviewers do as well like this isn't the first time you've heard it from me except for no but... not be for some reason but like this is something he's probably aware of right oh no he's absolutely aware of it i'm not saying he's not but like the, 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 the fact that i'm complaining about this here means that it's different than before that this this is this is a new level of this which i don't think was ever an issue before mm-hmm. um I, I have never had a problem with the sound mixes in any of the other films this one stuck out to me and this scene in particular felt like the most important dialogue so far in the movie the dialogue that's setting up the entire goddamn mystery of what tenet is uh, because th- basically what happens from this point on is he- he's told to follow the, the you know this word he's like okay the word's tenet is there's a cold war going on uh, that i can't tell you anything about but tenet's the the thing that ties into it and that's what you're mm-hmm. kind of poking at and he then goes you know to wherever he's, and we find out like he's been recruited because he was he took the suicide pill, just willing to take his life over every, like, over, like, giving up his information or anything like that. So he's he's part of some kind of special recruitment thing, and he's technically dead. Well, I mean, now. technically that's not even really true when you get to the end. Well, he did take the pill. Yeah, but does that matter? Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Actually, the uh, ending kind of reminded me of that other movie we watched, Predestination. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit of predestination in this movie <laughs> kind of yeah but i like i mean ultimately like is is that really true or is he only recruited because he is the leader in the future that's like doesn't really matter. Uh, oh yeah we got to know uh, your logic yeah that, 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 I don't know, like, <laughs> like that, that's what he's been told in the scene i don't know if i buy that that's actually why he's been recruited he's been recruited because he's always going to be recruited uh but any anyway so what happens he, happened, right? Yeah. So so <laughs> so that so that scene like was very frustrating because I it like it took me a little while. Like at, at this point in the movie, despite the fact that I'm coming into this as a big Christopher Nolan fan, I felt oddly disconnected from everything, and it it took me a while to kind of really start to get into the groove of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until because he goes to see uh, the scientist lady who i know you didn't like so i'll let you moan about this for a minute <laughs> oh yeah uh clemens posey's character i don't know i just she was so cold and like the i mean she's explaining something really cool but the, her attitude while she's explaining it is just like whatever this is just it's not that interesting and, <laughs> like there's something about the cadence of her voice that just bugged me. It reminds me of yeah. Anne Hathaway, which I know Nolan loves, so he's got a type. <laughs> um, well, his his wife is uh, the producer on his films, Emma Thomas, I think her name is. Um, mm-hmm. So go, go and see an interview with her and see if she matches this type. I'm curious mm. now that you've said that. <laughs> maybe, Check it out. Maybe, maybe she fits this description. Um, but, I mean, I actually thought the scene was effective enough. Uh, as much as I didn't... I mean, it, I was about to say that I didn't really get attached to the film until a little bit later, but to be fair, this explanation of objects that, like, because at this point, now obviously as soon as I'm, I hear this as a movie fan, and they tell me that there's these objects that sometime in the future, yeah. right, we don't have this technology yet, but sometime in the future, someone is reversing the the <laughs> the science 
yes. of, of, of these objects so that they're actually traveling backwards through time. They're running through time in the opposite direction. This is the so, first time we get like the rules of the sci-fi, well, which is yeah, exciting. So, but also uh, kind of becomes confusing later on. Um, well, that's when a car that, involved. Yeah, let's, explain, let's explain what they are, though, before we get to any other things. Uh, so she uses the example of a bullet, and she makes them hold up a gun at a test. You know, there's, there's like a big rock that's obviously been there just for bullet testing. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's, he's aiming it, and he's like, you know, he can't fire anything. He's like, well, what am I doing? I'll just, you know, just, just stand there. It's fine. Just, you know, fire. <laughs> I can't fire. <laughs> and then... It sort of like it does the thing that we saw earlier, where one of the bullets that's already hit it rushes back, and one of the holes in the rock kind of reforms, and it, you know everything feels kind of weird. And I think that's one of the things that really sticks out about the movie and the action is because the stuff running in reverse, it's got this weird like feel to it, this real stilted mm-hmm. kind of motion to it. It's very intentional, and it feels like it's really doing a good job of feeling unique. But mm-hmm. And then she says, look, so this, she explains that, okay, some items are going back through time and we have these bullets that are doing that and she, she then makes some sort of, like, hold his hand out and say, okay, you're going to, like, drop that in the future, so it's going to, and we see it sort of jump back up into his hand and he's like, yeah, but what if I just, like, like, why did that happen? I didn't done it yet. It's like, well, yeah, but you knew you were going to. So right. it happened. Um, and it's, it's his reaction was uh, was instinctual. Like, she says, it's it's all about instinct, which is helpful for like scenes we get later on with fighting yeah. and stuff like that. Okay, so it's reactionary, but he, he's acting on instinct, so you can kind yeah. of like justify and things. So I was start. So I, this is where I was. Okay, all right. I kind of like this premise. This is also the part where she says, uh, "Don't try to think about it too much. Just feel it," <laughs> and everyone in the audience laughed. Yeah, no one laughed at my theater. But then again, it was only me and one other person, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the theater was pretty empty for me, too, but, like, the ten of us that were there. <laughs> um, no, because I, I, I got interested during this scene. Uh, I, I, like I say, I wasn't super connected yet, right? Um, because what ultimately connected to me this... And it's kind of hinted at a little bit in the scene, but it's really driven home in a minute. Because he goes, like, basically searching for where these bullets come from, and he ends up, uh, I think, in Mumbai, oh, I say? Uh... Maybe I'm maybe I'm guessing the wrong place, but <laughs> he goes to uh, this yeah. this arms maybe. dealer and he thinks it's the guy, but it turns out that it's his wife. And he ends up having this very honest conversation. Instead of her just wanting to kill him, it becomes this conversation about where these things come from and what's going on. And essentially what we discover between this and maybe a scene later, but this was where I started to get really interested and really excited by the concepts that the film was playing with, is the idea that someone in the future is fighting a war. Yeah. And they're and they're trying to win it by sending things back through time. And our main villain of the movie, Kenneth Branagh's character, is kind of acting as a sort of present day liaison mm-hmm. by like retrieving these things and doing stuff in present day. Um although given what he's ultimately going to try and do for the rest of the film, I feel like he's acting in his own self interest and it's probably not the He's intention- definitely a Bond villain. No, no, but the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think he is doing what the person or whoever in the future who's you know waging this war is actually wanting him to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't well, think. Well, no, because he's sort of taken over. Well, yeah, but the, the person in the future doesn't want him to end the planet before whoever is in the future no. even exists. Like that's, no, that's definitely not I happening. Think that, I think the 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 big bomb like thing that they're collecting 
is intended to, I think it's a climate change thing because the world in the future is so shitty. So they want the world to go backwards so they can do it right this time. But it, but Brana wants to use it to end the world. Yeah. Instead. Uh, which is less interesting. Um, but but this is where I got kind of interested, though, is, is this mystique of, like, okay, who is waging this war? Mm-hmm. And Because I, I got the impression immediately that we're not going to find out. And I like that. I like the idea that this is going to be a mystery of the future. And it's not mm-hmm. something like, okay, we're technically dealing with a time travel idea, but we're not actually going to literally have, like, people from the future per se, even though technically there is time travel later on. Because, like, like I was actually going to say earlier, as soon as they introduced that there was bullets that could go back through time, mm-hmm. like... The first thing I thought in my head as well, a person is doing it by the end of this movie. And now, admittedly, it goes much further than just one person doing it. But the the immediate thought I had is that by the end of this movie, they're trying this with a human being. And a human being is going back in time. Mm-hmm. Now, it actually does it much earlier in the end. And it, it does it with more than one person. But that was my first thought. As soon as they brought up the objects, I'm like, well, a human being is doing this. I don't care what they're telling me the rules are right now. There's a human being going to do this by the end. Well, I mean, yeah, basically in the next scene, we see somebody going backwards. Because uh, he's fighting a, a hallway a person who's fighting backwards. Oh, well, that's so not, it really well, doesn't take very long before we see somebody going backwards. Well, it's not the next scene. He has to meet Robert Pattinson first and set up the whole Well, he heist. meets Robert Pattinson before he goes up to the tower because they both bungee jump. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Okay, yeah, he helps him with that and then he helps him with the, the heist. And she's the yeah. one who says, go to Freeport. Yes. Um, but this, this stuff's really interesting. Um, and this oh, wait, is no. a... it's the Becky that says that. <laughs> yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the Becky. Yeah, because the Becky's, she, yeah, she leads him to uh, Kenneth Branagh's character, and he tries to get to him through his wife, which is the Becky, mm-hmm. uh, and that introduces the Becky into the plot. Because up until this point in the movie, she's not appeared yet. That, that's how she's introduced. Um, and there's a whole plot about like because. Her whole backstory about the painting was a bit just weird. <laughs> was like, yeah, I had, I had, it took me the second watch before I was like, okay, because like, why is he holding a painting over her as collateral of or something? She basically sold him a fake painting and he's using that to blackmail she, her. She's like an art, yeah, she's an art assessor. Yes. Of some type. And she didn't spot a fake and sold it to her husband, presumably before they were married or while they were married. I don't know. Yeah. But because he sold, she sold it for like nine million dollars to somebody that he could essentially throw her in jail for it. What well, one of the things that one of the moments that I I liked, but I thought could have been even better, is basically he tries to sort of reveal kind of what he's up to, uh, and this is after because there's one scene with Michael Caine where Michael Caine tells him that he has to dress better. I feel like this scene with Michael Caine really didn't need to exist, and it's only there because he wanted a scene with Michael Caine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just probably the one. So Michael Caine can say. Brooks Brothers won't do, and then he has to go like get fancy suits. This is a suit lover's dream. This movie. Oh sure, uh, <laughs> but the, the 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 scene like I said earlier on that things should slow down. This is like one of the few things I I would say could be cut is probably this scene where he goes to see Michael Caine. But he goes to Debecky, and it kind of comes out when they're having lunch what he's really there for. Well, I mean, not really there for, but like, he's not just there as a potential billionaire buyer. You know, she 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 kind of calls mm-hmm. him out on like. Like you're wearing the suit, you're wearing like something that's expensive enough, but your your attitude, the way the, the way you're asking questions. Well, also quite, he but... says he got the art piece, the the forgery art piece from the same person that she got her forgery from, and she said if you really saw him, you would know that he couldn't talk. 
presumably like my husband like got to him and cut out his tongue and <laughs> he's not somebody mm. who talks anymore but the moment I'm, I'm i'm talking about though is that after this like his thugs show up es- escort her out to the car and she basically assumes you know the last thing she says to him because he says hey I've my, i put my my card in your pocket you know call me blah blah uh, but taking this because he said he basically offers that he can help her with the painting and get her out of this like marriage that she's kind of forced to still be in you know she's trapped in this horrible you know marriage mm-hmm. and she's like no nah, you're not going to call me because you're not going to either be alive or you're going to be so scared that you never even think about it and he ends up having like fighting these thugs in the in the kitchen of this restaurant and it's a pretty decent little fight scene and there's a moment yeah, like where it. she's out in the car and the driver's like, no, he wants you to see this. And we've not even seen Kenneth Bratt at this point. It really plays up the mystery of who he is and, like, you know, building up to him. And it, the driver says, like, you know, he always gets what he wants. And there's a moment where you see just one of the thugs fly out the back door of this restaurant and out, out walks the protagonist, like, kind of standing tall, having won this fight. Yeah. And DeBecca says, oh, apparently not always. And... I like this moment, but I, I, I thought it should have been played even more. Like, I, I thought that this idea of, like, her, like, dismissing him as, like, this option of, like, getting her out of this, like, horrible mm-hmm. marriage. I think if we're going to make her the heart of the film, I think the idea that she's so desperate that she sees this and says, you know, and essentially, like, see it on her face that maybe she actually believes us hope that this guy can actually help her, that he's not just been taken out in one swoop, fell swoop like everyone else who crosses paths with her husband does. Um, yeah. It's played a little bit too almost like one-linery from her, for me. I really felt like this could have been like a really sort of like a good moment to show is just a how trapped she feels and b kind of the hope like, that this is my my hope. Yeah, you know, all of yeah. a sudden, the this hope could be my knight in shining armor. Yeah, that he represents. <laughs> I feel like this yeah. this moment could have really sang even more. But I mean, it's that's a minor critique. But we but did it... get a fight where he uses a cheese grater as a as a weapon. <laughs> Hey, the, brutal. the thought of a cheese grater <laughs> going across your face is, is pretty Oof. nasty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a good fight. Yeah. No, it was a good fight. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. I, I could definitely feel all the thuds, all the thuds in the fight. Every time they hit each other, it was like thuds. Oh, yeah. Thuds, thuds. Someone's definitely like punching a slab of beef on, <laughs> <laughs> on the side. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, remember the order of some of this, 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 you know, plot where he goes to see her and then goes to see the husband. Is, is, you know, it's hard to. But before he does that, though, he has to go get this painting. He has to. Well, he's actually going there to see what the secret thing in the vault is, right? Thinking mm-hmm. he may have plutonium or something in the vault. Um, and it's this fancy freeport, which is like a sort of like place at the airport where they don't have to go through customs yet because it's on the airport, it's on international grounds essentially, and. It's, you know, it's like a you know rich person's it's like, like yeah it's like a warehouse for very um expensive uh, yeah imagine like a, a big walk-in, probably priceless artifacts ima- and... imagine a, a walk-in like safety deposit box in a bank like it's like a lot it's a building full of those mm-hmm. and it's for like paintings and heirlooms and antiques and whatever else yeah things um, that are essentially priceless yeah yeah um and they have like all these security systems so we get this big you know and this is where it'll do this thing. There's a few times in the movie where it'll cut to kind of a montage of like Patterson who's brought in to like help mm-hmm. with these jobs and he'll be explaining his plan to him. Uh, and this is the moment from the trailer where he's like, uh, you want to crash a plane into it? He's like, don't be so dramatic. I won't be flying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he says, what, what type of plane? That part is a little dramatic. Yes. I actually was thinking during these scenes that, you know what? He's probably going to be a decent Bruce Wayne. Sure. Yeah, with less of an English accent, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I, I could see it. I could see it. He looks uh, the part. Um, yeah. Did, did you? I, mean, I think you may have even told me this that uh, Patterson like like made up a, an excuse to like go and audition for Batman one day when he was filming tonight. No, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I can't remember what the excuse was, but he had to make up an excuse for why he had a he had a day off to go audition for Batman or lie about where he was going. <laughs> I you didn't it. want to bring it up to Nolan. <laughs> like, oh, you're doing the new Batman, huh? Yeah, I maybe mean, he was worried that Nolan just on the spot would like just rewrite the rest of the script to kill him off immediately. <laughs> like, it could oh, be well. only one Batman. Yeah, that's you done. Um. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the director of Thor and the new Batman were both in this movie. <laughs> yeah. What, what a weird, wonderful little world. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, and Alfred, obviously, but I mean... Yeah, Michael Caine. But, that, that, but that's Nolan's Alfred, so of course he keeps popping up. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, actually, there's a couple of actors in this that I was saying before we started that I didn't even notice were in here that I know. Presumably because there were maybe just the soldiers towards the end that were wearing helmets and stuff and I couldn't recognize them. But one was Wes Chatham from The Expanse and the other was uh, Fiona Dura from uh, the, the more recent Chucky movies. Not the remake, mm-hmm. but the, the, the more recent ones in continuity. Um, uh, Kick-ass though, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, he is a bit more noticeable as one of the soldiers uh, towards uh, the He end. looks different. He's got like a beard or, and stuff, so. I didn't yeah. recognize him. And then my sister, when we got out, like, how about Aaron Taylor-Johnson in that movie? I'm like, what? <laughs> who is he <laughs> no, no i recognized him um yeah he's got very he, recognizable eyes that's another actor who is english uh and notably you know typically up up till now he's been playing americans but so it was kind of like oh that's his english accent i mean his real one so english it sounded a bit irish to me but i'm not very good at accents so. anyway where are we where are we yeah so the, the crash yeah because they do a whole thing where they, they, they pretend to be like you know potential new you know vault buyers or renters i guess you rent a vault in a place like that's not buy it i think it's more of they're looking to buy because it's a it's also like a trading place no because they were asking him about because all the questions he was asking was about the security and the like mm-hmm. you know because he kept saying hey what about the what was the fire what was this because he's basically getting all this information so i think he was you know pretending to be someone who was going to you know put something here uh uh so that gives you all this information and then it gives you a, a sense of the plan and I will say, if there's a fault, a fa- failing in this movie and it's, like, sci-fi concept, is that one part of it is, like, ultra-predictable. Uh, and it's not really mm-hmm. this movie's fault, it's just because other movies... Uh, and you mentioned Predestination. Predestination was very guilty of this. Yeah. Um, uh, Primer, to an extent. But, all, uh, to be honest, Time Crimes is even, even guilty of this. Any time travel movie where there's, like, someone, like, mysterious running around early on in the film... I can't see their face. Yeah, I immediately went, <laughs> well, I wonder who these two individuals are going to be later on. <laughs> I was I was a little bit um, mistaken because I thought, okay, well, there's two people attacking in mass, attacking our protagonist and Neil. And, <laughs> and they're moving, or they're just new. One of them's moving backwards in time. I didn't think that it would be only one person. I thought it was like, well, clearly that's just the future version of Neil and protagonist. But I was wrong. The, yeah, so I mean, there's still a little bit of a twist. That sounds really confusing when you say it like that, but it does make complete sense when you actually see it play out later on. It makes mm-hmm. sense completely when you see it later. Yeah. Um, but even, even the way that... Because this was the moment as well where you kind of got that Neil probably knows a lot more than what he's been letting on at this point. Because Neil sees... Because he sees yeah. one of them on mask. We don't get to see it, but he sees... He pulls the mask off someone and lets them go. And then he runs into... The protagonist says... Because the protagonist is about to shoot the guy in the mask. He's like, no, mm-hmm. don't shoot him. And he makes up an excuse. He says he's one of us. 
Uh, is that what he says? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you saw it twice. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I don't remember the line. I really but... concentrated the second time. <laughs> I bet you did. But, and the, 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 this is the one who's running backwards, though, because he sort of, like, zoom, he, he zooms out the, under the door because this plane engine, the, the one that, you know, crashed into the building, it kind of revs up and sucks him out. Or, well, that's not true. It actually, it's not true. It's, it's the opposite. Uh, yeah. But, it's but the from opposite. this perspective, but from this perspective, it looks like it, it sucks him out. It was, but it's actually it, it blows him inwards from the. And it's, well, such, no. it's such a cool fight, like knowing that one person well, actually, is moving no, backwards. No, hold on a second. Hold on a second. The plane's not moving backwards. The plane's going forward because the plane's in the original going forward yeah, timeline. Yeah, line. here we go. Okay. Right. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how this works, but. The point I'm making is, though, is that the plane... I don't think the engine could suck him. I think if the plane, if the engine's exploding, it has to be a force that moves him. So I think it is forcing him in the way on the other side. It It is. When he's, mo- yeah. he's moving... When he's moving regular in the backwards world, the explosion causes him to... Yes, go ...be in. pushed. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah. There's a bit of like a like a smarminess. Like I think as a viewer, that I think I'm sure we both felt we're like, oh, these two people in masks. So yeah, yeah. I wonder who they are. <laughs> I wonder if this might be the same pair of people later on. And again, you're right. It wasn't exactly that. It was both the same person. Just, but it makes sense later on. Anyway, it does. So from here, uh, this leads them to actually going to the husband and uh, to threatens to kill him. I mean, if there's a, a, a portion, I think, where the movie slows down a little bit and I wasn't as in love with what was going on, it was all the stuff when he's on the boat with them and there's, like, he's trying to make the deal with them and he's, he's sort of spying on them. That section is just kind of, eh. You know, it's whatever. Yeah, this is the part where, like, yeah, I get it. He's evil. He, like, he thinks that his immediate thought is that he's, that his wife is cheating on him. Kind of Brana's mm-hmm. character. Thinks that his wife is cheating on him with this guy and he's going to tear out his balls and uh, shut uh, yeah. him down his throat and stuff like yeah. that. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, not his first line of dialogue in the movie, but the first line of dialogue he definitely says to him is, have you slept with my wife yet? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I think that's the first thing he says to him. I like I like his reaction, though, or his, his no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very long. Yeah, but, that, but that, that was the... That that was the part where I decided I really didn't like him that much was when he the whole balls down the throat thing. I'm like, okay, this just feels stupid and over the top. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. This doesn't. I'm not convinced that he's it's scary now. It's satisfying to see a man that you dislike try to pull his balls out of his own throat. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, I, basically I acting. I I kind of cringed a little bit of that that little threat. It just it felt it felt like a 13 year old wrote it, and I, I mm-hmm. you know I I, I don't know it, it didn't work. It, it didn't fit the tone of the otherwise very kind of. I mean, groundy's not the right word, but Christopher Nolan, with between this and Inception, which I would say are similar genres of filmmaking in the sense that they're both his mm-hmm. kind of sci-fi, they're very kind of hard sci-fi, science trying to feel real, right? And this almost cartoonishly villainish Russian like mobster, like arms dealer, doesn't really feel like he fits for me in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's also, it's just... John David Washington, I think he's a fantastic actor, and I think he's great in this movie. And I really like his chemistry with Robert Pattinson in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're both really fun, and their their dialogue exchanges are really fun. Have good and then you and then you get here to to like these these other characters who are just so dull and like dry and 
I, like the the dialogue is a bit like cartoonish, like over the top a bit, and it almost feels like they're in a different film. I think. I mean, I think the Becky's okay. I, I think this portion of the film, though, is very much the point of this. This this you know, I don't know what it is, like twenty minute portion, is obviously the section that's supposed to really kind of make us care about the heart. It's supposed to make us care about her. It makes mm-hmm. us care about her wanting to get away from her husband. She's willing to kill him. She tries to kill him in the, the boat at one point by pushing him over. Yeah. Uh, that kind of gets a little bit of trust for the protagonist because he saves him. So he kind of, you know, eases up around him a little bit at that point. But all, all I mean, of this I mean, stuff. Her performance is okay, but she is also a little bit dull. I... It's like there's the two lead guys that are fun and exciting and are into it. And then everyone else is like. Yeah, like their line readings are just so dull and they're drab and like I get it, their life sucks or whatever. But it's just it's just a little <laughs> bit cliche. But I think she's better than Brana is. I I, I don't. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't put her in the same same league. And I think she's fine. I still wanted a little bit more emotion from her though, because like I said, like a lot of this is centered around the fact that he's going to separate her from her kid. And a lot of the movie, I forgot she even had a kid. No, it just, no I, it's not there. I get you, and I agree, kind of, with the the point. But at least there was some. At least with her, though, I still kind of got what what it was trying to do. It, it, you know, it's particularly not so much when she was talking to her husband, but when she was talking to the protagonist. I feel like there were several points where I kind of I was starting to get the vibe of what the movie was trying to do with her, even if it wasn't always there and it wasn't always successful. Like it kind of, I, I, you know, I got it. Um, mm-hmm. So. I wouldn't be as harsh on her as I am on on the Brana character, but I think she's actually hurt more because I, I think she would actually be fine if the Brana character was completely different. And again, I don't even necessarily think it's Brana as an actor who's the the problem necessarily. It's how the character's I written. I think he might be miscast. <laughs> I mean, he may be miscast, but I also think the character's just kind of cheesy. I, I don't think the character's good. I don't think he's the reason why it, it doesn't work. I don't know. I think if you got like a Oh, what's his name? The the guy from Inglorious Bastards or something. Like he's just always so good at being a villain. Maybe it'd be better. Oh, he Christoph Waltz. Like Christoph Waltz. <laughs> I mean, maybe if it was Christian Bale basically doing Patrick Bateman, I could <laughs> Or himself in <laughs> himself on the set of uh, Salvation. <laughs> oh good for you. <laughs> you mean that that version of Christian Bale? You assess art. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah, I'm okay, maybe, but I, I I do think that character is the weakest part of the movie, and I I don't I I, I you know because you because know, I I was getting a little bit tired of it, especially when like the protagonist is like spying on him, opening a case, and we see a little bit of time reverse stuff. And by the time we see like him pick, you know, I say picking stuff up, he's kind of like holding his hand out, he's catching a, it, yeah, yeah, he's catching it because it's running in reverse. Um, by the time we see that, it's been a good like half hour since anything exciting's happened. <laughs> so it was kind of like, oh, oh, the stuff. But it, it kind of made me realize that, oh yeah, I've been really missing that part of the movie. I've been missing b- both the the sci-fi element, but also just the the heist stuff with with Patterson. Like I've been missing those two elements of the movie, which are clearly yeah. when the movie's at its best. It seems to be a lot of glorifying like the lives of the one percent. Also in the film, like I don't know if just Nolan has a thing for that type of lifestyle. There's a lot of yachts. It's a lot of expensive boats. There's a lot of like expensive suits and just the lives of the rich and famous. <laughs> I think he, no, seems... I, I think Nolan's just a fan of uh, like oh he likes making movies on film. He likes having all these stunning visuals, and I think part of that is having boats and having big trucks and having all He's these more big... of a yeah. 
big big practical Make Hollywood visuals great again are, 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 type are, of director or even don't phrase it like that uh <laughs> but yeah, even, he likes hollywood okay but, but even but just noir. but even just um like you know at one point like debecky's character i think in one of the flashbacks she's standing on a balcony it's at the edge of a cliff with this beautiful place mm-hmm. and i don't even know what country it was in but it was like the sun's uh, sunny it's like spain or Italy yeah or it could be an italian like villa on a cliff face and it was like, this glorious like visual of like a place that most people can only dream of and there are and it, you know he's a man who likes to put in these visuals into his movies and i think you know he started off doing these low budget gritty things but now that he's got to the point where he can afford to make movies that are this ridiculously big like and the man just loves huge. class yeah um what, what did we start i don't know you put me on a tangent there What's talking about? You're welcome. Rana, catching gold. Yes, yes. I was just saying yes. I, I was, I was miss. I realized at that point I was missing the other elements of the film that were working better. Uh, that this this family plot was kind of. And no, don't get me wrong. I do think the movie needs a heart, and I think part of the heart that maybe should have been emphasized a bit more for the protagonist is the fact that he's not really willing to just kill innocent people, that he actually has a conscience, because mm-hmm. I think because he is really the centre of the movie, and I know you're saying that she's supposed to be the centre in the sense that she's the heart, but I feel like he is the protagonist, both literally to literally and the fact that he's named the protagonist. <laughs> uh, but he, you know, there's enough there that I'm kind of latching on to to like him as a human being, and that he has a moral compass, that he is a good character, that he wants to do the right thing. And I think that's something that maybe it should have focused on a little bit more. And maybe just focusing on his relationship with Neil, which might have actually even benefited some stuff at the end a bit more as well. Uh, could, could have been a good idea. But it does get back to the stuff eventually, though, where we get more heist stuff, where we get, like... Because essentially, he arranges to help steal, again, what he thinks is plutonium. But isn't. Like, this, this is a running thing in the movie. He keeps thinking there's plutonium involved, but it's actually pieces of this device... The algorithm, the the thing, the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's the MacGuffin, let's be honest. Uh, and it's in pieces. It's in like, you know, five pieces and he's, he's got most of the pieces. Yeah, it's um, it's called an algorithm. It's a machine. It's a machine part that will, when they have all nine pieces, will cause the world to move backwards in time. Which will destroy it. Which will ultimately destroy it, yeah. Yes, because uh, the world's not going to move backwards. It was invented by a woman. I don't know. They made a point of that in the film, so. I even remember yeah. them saying that, to be honest. Yeah, she was some Oppenheimer of the future who accidentally or created something and then regretted her creation and then hid all these different parts of it, I guess, in different times. Well, this is the other p- part that I think is a bit weak, is this, all this MacGuffin stuff, once it kind of gets into it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of this big clutch for the third act to kind of, clutch, crutch for the third act to kind of revolve around. And I do think it's a bit weak and that it's just kind of like shoved in there and set up and it feels very kind of easy movie making stuff as opposed to actually feeling earned or like it's like, you know, like, and all of the exposition about this thing is thrown around so like vaguely that like, like, what exactly is it? <laughs> it's still something that I don't really think. I mean, yes, what we know that if it's put together, it'll make time, you know, time go backwards and yeah, yeah they, but is it still a bomb? Because there was an explosion and it with a timer, and then there was also, like, it had to be buried. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to this. We're skipping ahead. We're skipping ahead because we're skipping over all the car stuff. Uh, because that's the whole heist. The whole heist is they have to get multiple trucks and a fire truck, and they have to go around the 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 vehicle that's transporting what's supposed to be plutonium, but it's actually a piece of the MacGuffin. Um, 
and that that is on its own is exciting because it's like all mm-hmm. these vehicles like going around it and you know Nolan so it's mostly practical as much as he can get away with he's got stunt drivers he's doing all these things and then weirdly there's a car that's driving backwards that's coming into the the scene as they're driving away with their stolen goods and the poli- the local police which I can't remember what city they're in at this point uh, I, I want to say it's Eastern Europe but I, I could be wrong um, um, Thailand? But I think I said Thailand at some point. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, the, the, the movie jumps around a lot of places, so it's hard to keep track of where they are at most points. But the, this car is driving backwards, which is this something you didn't understand as well? Uh, exactly why the car is driving backwards when, when later on we see someone driving in the reverse? This is one of the things that I'm, I am still confused about with the whole time reversal thing right, let because... me expl- let me explain this clearly though because i feel like this yeah. has to really be visually like really explained so well first we see an accident of the car right um i don't know if we see that first but i mean uh, regardless, the accident th- reversal that's in the trailer but there's a car there's a car that's driving backwards really fast right um and when you first see that you go oh that's that that car's in reverse like literally it's, it's you know it's it's the, the it's not Polari. I can't remember what they said. What the, the reverse? I'm, I just, I'm just going to say Polari, even though it's entropy. Not, yeah, it may have been entropy. Uh, reverse but, entropy. Yeah, but it's reversed. It's rever- the car's reversed, right? So it's just it's going past, and we get our first glimpse of the gas mask here because we see like, uh, what's his face? Uh, the villain is in there, and he's got a mask on, breathing like an oxygen mask. Um, which, by the way, I was watching this entire movie wearing a mask, so we felt. We- so when they all started wearing like breathers, <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel like I'm relating to the characters right now. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't an oxygen mask, admittedly, but <laughs> close enough. Um, Maybe one day. But, like, so the car's going backwards, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, given what we know so far, the car's going backwards because it's literally in reverse in terms of this is how it would move, right? Um, the weird thing is, though, is that later on when the protagonist goes through the machine, right, and we'll, we'll talk about the machine in a minute, but when he goes through the machine and he's actually in the reverse, like, not world, but He's moving backwards through time, so he's in the reverse. Um, when he's driving a car, it's still going forward. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure why that other car was going backwards when his car's going forward. And and uh, don't get me wrong. The if only thing si- I can think of is if the driver himself is driving him, like, is reversed. And so the car, because he's driving it, is also reversed. But the protagonist is driving the car. Well, not that car. I mean, the car that Debecky and Brana are in. But then it wouldn't match him, him driving his car. Like, that, that doesn't make sense, though. If you're saying that the driver's reversed... But they are reversed, right? They're driving backwards. Well, when, yes, when he well, first shows up and he's like, I have my wife hostage. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're saying. That yeah. car is literally going backwards. So we assume that a car traveling that's been reversed will actually appear to be driving backwards. But... When we actually see it, when the protagonist is doing it later, when he's in the reverse, when he's been through the machine and now he's in reverse, mm-hmm. the car he's driving is going forward. Now, if they changed all of the other cars so it looked like everything else was going reverse and he was the only one going forward, then it would make sense because it would be the opposite. and It would be like everything else is flipped. But it isn't. Mm-hmm. As I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure when he was driving, when he was back on the road driving himself, when he was in reverse... I'm pretty sure that car was still appearing to go forward, just like every other car 
Well, here's the 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 thing. I'm I'm sure it works out if we just watch it again. It's just a hard thing to to wrap your mind around when you're first watching it because there's a lot happening mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things going in reverse. It, when he, when the protagonist is now in the reverse world, going backwards technically, so it's it's really it's really hard to keep up with when when he starts doing it. But and the the thing that I was confused about is that when we first have that boring lady explaining us what how the bullets work, like you're supposed to catch it. Somebody has sent these bullets on a backwards track, right? Mm-hmm. But in timeline. A reality we see the car that the protagonist is driving backwards go in a reverse accident now that car wasn't on sent through the machine so why would that be reversed is it only reversed because the protagonist who is reversed is driving it now uh, I hadn't thought about this other <laughs> um it's a really difficult scene to keep track of like all the rules because we get it from two different perspectives and time perspectives and it's hard to keep up with it. I, I think, I I'm sure like it's planned out pretty well. I don't have an answer for you. If there's going to be a fault in the rules, I think it'll be in this sequence, uh, in this extended mm-hmm. sequence. But to actually get to what's going on here uh, and not as trying to explain the, 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 the logic of what's moving forward and backwards. Um, yeah, the villain's got his wife. He's got a gun to her because uh, the, the, the one F-bomb in the movie is actually before this scene when she kind of confronts him and he basically like tries like, she holds up a gun at him and he basically calls her bluff and says you can't do it you're a coward blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and then he smacks her one and but there ends up being another reason why he knows that she won't he's got a timer he carries like a timer thing where he knows when yeah, he's he, going to die it's a dead man switch yeah yeah. So he, I mean, he knows he's not. She's not going to shoot him. He, you know, gets the 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 the, the piece off of uh, the, the the protagonist. Although he actually switched it, so it wasn't in the case. So, uh, which leads to more conflict in a minute because he they end up getting to this building where one of the basically the human sized devices to send a person through either going forward or reverse in time is. And again, we saw this in the the vault earlier. That's where the the the, the mass swap guys came out of. Uh, that they were fighting, right? The mysterious SWAT guys who may or may not also be characters that are relevant <laughs> that we'll find out soon. Yeah. But, uh, and this is where it kind of really starts to play with things where there's a, you know, there's like a, a wall separate with a window and you can see on the other side. And one of the things that I love, this, this is where I love these concepts. I love mm-hmm. when Nolan or whoever else is doing a concept list starts playing with it. I love that we have this scene where the villain's got a gun to his wife's head and he's like saying, hey, tell me where you put the piece. Although he's saying it in reverse from our perspective, because we're on the other side of the glass and he's going backwards, so he's got like a he's got like a, a radio or something that's recording it and playing it backwards, so that it, it sounds no, because uh, for some reason Kenneth Branagh is in both parts, so he's backwards and he's running forward because he comes out with an earpiece, right, and and says why like tell me where where it is, and he's like I just told you on that side, but then he's still there and working backwards. I know, it's a lot. <laughs> Because I thought they were also doing it, like, he's saying it backwards, and then through the radio, it's, like, translating. Or, like, for some reason, if they say it backwards over there, but it comes out right to the person listening to it over the radio, like, the signal flips it. But that's not the case. Like, he's he's translating for him. 
like Kenneth Branagh is translating for himself in the other room. But yeah, so just to make it clear, like what we're actually seeing in this scene is that Kenneth Branagh, or or what the rule is here is that someone who's going through time in reverse, if they speak to someone who's going through time normally, it will sound backwards. It will be inaudible. It'll be in t- uh, well, not inaudible. You hear it. Well, I mean, you might not with this sound mix, but <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be in theory. It'll be in- unintelligible. Um, unless you're just some weirdo who's learned how to read speech backwards, which, I, I, you know what, I bet there's a couple of people out there who have, for some reason, learned how to do that, but uh, <laughs> for most people... Maybe in this universe, there's a, there's a market for it. Oh yeah, in this universe, there's probably a reason to learn how to do that. Uh, so, so yeah, there's, there's a complex like stuff going on here where the, the, the Brana who just does this sort of comes out in the main side, and then he kind of goes through again to do, like, basically go back into the race again to do everything knowing what happened the first time, which is important for setting up the third act because the third act kind of revolves around the idea. Uh, what did they call it again, actually, the the, the manoeuvre? where the, they have Oh, like, it's like a pincer? Pincer manoeuvre. Time, that, time pincer? Yeah, a pincer manoeuvre, which is basically you have like two halves of your team. One half is going through linearly and the other half is going mm-hmm. through backwards. The idea being that one team can then give intel to the other team so that everyone knows like more about the conflict and what's happening in the entire thing um but what i like what i do like about this though is all of this built up to the idea that like uh you know anyways, yeah what was the, the point i was getting at though the point i was getting at is that they're having this standoff where he's you know he's got the gun at the, to the wife's head and he's saying you know tell me again it's in reverse and there's the translation but tell you know where is the thing i'm going to shoot her and the entire time you can see the bullet in the glass from where at some point it's going to fire mm-hmm. right you can see the aftermath of where the gunshot is so you already know that he probably shoots her right and may and sure maybe it's a gunshot where after she's moved out of the way or something like that but it very heavily implies so this is what i'm talking about when i love playing with the mechanics of this where it's mm-hmm. building tension in a way that nothing else i've ever really seen do where it's yeah, showing... you already know he's gonna fire the gun just yeah like, is he gonna kill her but it's, it's but it's very different to how you usually build tension, and I really like that. Um, mm-hmm. But she's basically dying, and they say that she can't really survive in their side, you know, going through linearly. But she can survive for longer until she gets medical attention on on reverse. So the protagonist is like, "Well, I'm going to go through with her then. Let's go through with her and uh, and and you know, save her and deal with this." So I do love the because this is where the movie felt big to me. It was this sort of build up where. And again, I was a little bit confused why there was like a team of soldiers who pop up and seem to know what they're talking about as if they've been doing this their whole lives. And this is the point where, uh, you know, Neil, uh, Robert Pattinson's character, is like, starts explaining things that he knows. And it's like, yeah, okay, look, I, I may have been recruited by someone and, you know, I already knew who you were, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's like, yeah, when you go through, you can't breathe the oxygen. Uh, it, w- it won't work properly. You have to use, you know, our special tanks and all the rest of it. But when he goes through and they explain to him that the world is going to feel different, that the balance is going to feel different, that, and even something to bring up that only really comes up once, I think, but the idea that like cold and hot and stuff like that will be reversed, mm-hmm. uh, it comes up quite quickly because of the explosion in the car, where he actually gets hypothermia instead <laughs> instead of like burns, which is a really weird concept. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Really... Uh, it doesn't. Re- it didn't really register with me the first time mm. that the cold and hot would be reversed, also. Yeah, it doesn't really come up later in the movie though, so I'm not. I, I don't know how super relevant or important it was. I think I think it was more like because 
Kenneth Branagh and the protagonist are both in reverse. Mm-hmm. So, and this car crash happened and is leaking fuel. So, because they're both in reverse in a, or going against time, swimming upstream in a way, there, I think that's the explosion that where the physics would be mishmashed. Well, no, because they're the ones that are reversed. No, because the car that explodes is the one that uh, the protagonist is driving. In fact, mm-hmm. to offer an explanation to our previous query as to why that one car was going backwards, maybe that car itself was reversed. Maybe that's why that car was driving backwards, and this maybe, one isn't. Maybe, because like, uh, I would. That that's the thing that that kind of bothered me after I have watched the film. It was just like, well, I thought objects had to be on a reverse timeline also for them to work in reverse. That's why they have. But it, it, it doesn't work in reverse though, because they explain to him, because he says, Can I drive? And they explain to him that you can, but you have to be aware that everything's going to be in reverse. Because they, they mm-hmm. say something along those lines. I can't remember the exact lines of dialogue, but they, they, do, they do say something about driving. So the, the car that the protagonist goes into is not a reverse car, it's a regular car. And that's why the explosion affects him in the opposite way with ice, right? Yeah. So presumably, right. presumably at the car... But why was, does it crash in reverse? I don't have an answer for that. But presumably, the car that's in reverse that the villains are driving, if that exploded, that would actually still burn them normally because the car itself and the fuel inside mm-hmm. it also, obviously... Would, is, in their, is in their right timeline. Yeah, so that would... Well, don't say... T- 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 I think timeline is the wrong word for this. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, <laughs> I don't know. This is a new thing. Yeah, it is, it's a totally new thing. But I think... If that car exploded, it would affect them with fire the way you would expect it to. But yeah. anything that's moving forward in time because they're in reverse, like the car that the protagonist is driving, that would affect them with the opposite effect. With So in this case, it would be like a coldy ice instead of flames. And Even though it looks like fire still, but he still gets the effect of hypothermia. Yeah. The, the, the gasoline explodes and then the car just kind of turns to ice. Yeah. Uh, is everyone following this so far? Is there? <laughs> is, is everyone? Is everyone got that? <laughs> and he wakes up in a truck. They've got like a big truck where they've you know they've lined the inside of this truck so that it's suitable for them, and they're all going in reverse. It's Robert Pattinson, uh, you know the protagonist, and obviously lying there on her deathbed, uh, cat. Which because of the thing, because because they, they go through, and there's a couple of other things they mention when he's going through rules wise, is that make sure you can see yourself getting out on the other side. Or going in on the other side, because if you can, it means you don't get out. You know, you have to be able to see yourself coming out on the other side or going in on the other side. You know, do you know what mm. I mean? Like, it's confusing to think about. But yeah, it's why they have a wall in between the 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 machine, so you don't run into yourself when you're coming out of it. Yeah, because or time going co- into it. <laughs> time cop rules: you can't touch yourself. Yeah, they mentioned that. Um, also, uh, they mentioned because the, I mean, this is not a rule so much as that. They can't just come back out this side. It's like you'd have to get to another machine somewhere. And that's when he goes, there was one in the vault. That's where those guys came out of, right? So they're actually going a week back in time because that was a week ago. So so they're thinking we can sneak in during the whole plane thing, right? We can use the same thing that we did a week ago and Mm -hmm. go in during that. And this is where we get into the weird timey-wimey stuff of like, okay, so all three of the characters are going back in time a week now. We're straight up time traveling. Uh, with them going backwards and they're in the back of this truck um and presumably the driver of the truck is actually moving forward in time still like this is someone who just works for the, you know, the squad that apparently mm-hmm. exists now um and this is one of the things that i didn't like about the movie so it just kind of really rushed this introduction to oh by the way there's an entire like army who are like fighting on this Tina side is a yeah 
is a branch of CIA that's fully loaded. Yeah, it's like a full-on <laughs> like war that's happening. Um, although I do like the idea of a war that's waged from the future, which did make me think a little bit about <laughs> travelers uh, and a couple other things. But but this is really fun stuff. But this is this is where it gets really inventive because my favorite sequence in the movie is probably when they go back to the the Freeport and they have to sneak in and they put on all the SWAT gear and obviously you get where this is going, right? And yeah. the, the thing we said earlier that makes sense is that it's actually the protagonist, both of them, both the guys that were in the SWAT gear, both the protagonists, one of them was in reverse because that's the one who sort of comes in. And then the second one is the one who comes out in forward time again. Right. Uh, <laughs> so Pattinson's character is chasing down the protagonist. Well, they're, all, they're both going the same direction, but but uh, the protagonist is fighting himself trying to get into the machine. Yeah, so he's fighting... But it looks like two people came out at the same time and just started attacking them. Yeah, because they come out... uh, And they're on different sides of the wall, uh, if you remember Mm -hmm. in that scene. But this is where it gets really fun, though, because even though you remember the ending with him going out the door in that weird way, it's it's just the way the engine explodes and pushes him into it, right? It immediately feels so strange because... Yeah, maybe I've got. Maybe I had that wrong way around, Ellie. Maybe what? No, no, no. It was exploding. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm, 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 I'm. It was uh, correcting itself from the explosion. I, I'm second guessing myself now that we're getting to this part. But the way, the yeah. way, because they get just, there and it was already exploding, and then yeah. it kind of like reassembled itself, and all of a sudden it's got this blast of air. Yeah. Because the turbine's running again. Yes. Yes. So. He very quickly just sort of like goes under the store, and all of a sudden he's there with himself. And I'm like, oh, we're at the end of this fight, and then it, and then we see the whole fight play out again, but in the perspective of this side where mm-hmm. it's running in this way. So now the regular uh, protagonist who's in like just a business suit, he's looking kind of weird because he's going kind of backwards. Like I can't even imagine how they film awesome. this. It's so well choreographed. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> These are both much... my two favorite scenes, like when when they're fighting the first time and the second time. I can't imagine how the effort that went into, like, uh, you know, John David Washington, him having to <laughs> learn to, because I think so, some of this will be pretend, but I think some of it he the legitimately going backwards, which means w- one of his performances had to be going backwards so it would work with the other side of it. it right. It, it's yeah. confusing. It's so confusing. Yeah. I mean, it's not confusing to watch when you're watching it, it's just really good and fun. But yeah, th- the thought about shooting this and making it is confusing. <laughs> Uh, a lot of trickery probably I don't know if I'm smarter or dumber from watching this movie <laughs> trying uh, to wrap my brain around um, well this movie goes back, both forwards and backwards to a time so I'm going to say a little column A and a little column B that's fair <laughs> a little red and a little blue yep <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit um, but now all of this is really great and then you'll pass and comes you know running in, in SWAT gear with you know cat on the, the stretcher and they, they get her through the thing and you know so i think yeah this is the high point of the movie for me because the, the third act well the stuff in the third act i like um something as simple of as like you know at one point there's like a, a guy in the, the blue team because we they have like two squads again it's this big division right and you have passing around the blue team which are the team that are going in reverse into this fight trying to find where this MacGuffin is and a bomb that's going to like go off above it and other stuff. This is the thing. I do think like the exposition for this this part of the movie is so rushed that I, mm-hmm. I never really understood exactly why there was also a bomb. I never quite caught the details for that. 
Yeah, I, I tried. I really tried in the second watch uh, to pay attention to that. What we do learn is that Kenneth Branagh is dying. He's got cancer. It's inoperable. And because he's a Bond villain, when he dies, he wants the world to die with him. So I think the bomb is supposed to screw up the MacGuffin to the point where it doesn't work correctly and explodes humanity or creates some kind of a paradox. Because they, they talk about the grandfather paradox a lot. Like if you go back in time, kill your own grandfather, how can you be alive to do that? Um, and, and that's essentially what, what he's trying to do. He's trying to like create a grandfather paradox planetary wise, and that's mm -hmm. going to cause the world to end. Well, yeah. What I don't like about this though, is that his motivation boils down to the same thing he has with his wife, which is if he can't have the world because he's dying, then yeah. no one can have it. And I'm like, that's a bit simplistic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's a bit simplistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't dislike the setup of, you know, Cat who he believes, because he believes he's killed Cat, right? And he actually goes back in time to this like holiday they had like a week before the movie started. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that he's he's going there to sort of like enjoy the sunset before, but the cat who is now, moment, yeah. Yes. The cat who has, you know, survived, you know, after a week of, you know, surgery and went, went through time and is now earlier in the timeline, um, she goes... To basically distract him long enough to not, you know, not kill him until the, they've, they've got the MacGuffin and the world's safe. So she's like trying to stall and pretending that she's the one that's there from that timeline. Obviously before the ending she lets him know that, hey, I'm actually from the future and you killed me, you tried to kill me already so after you, basically. Um, and that, that's, you know, I like some of the, the setup of that, even if like I've not been totally invested in their relationship uh, mm -hmm. throughout the movie. Um, some of the stuff that I do like, there's there's two things I really like about the third like act, the the war stuff essentially as they're they're going in, and you know, there's this fun stuff where not only do you have explosions going off and landmines going off, you also have the opposite where explosions are kind of sucking back in like all <laughs> over the place, and sometimes those are still dangerous. Like you see people getting sucked into a mine as it yeah. reverses and stuff like that. Uh, one of my favorite visuals from the 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 spectacle is there's a building that in reverse. The rocket launcher that blows out the bottom of it is yeah. like reversing and it's like reforming. But then the people who are going forward in time immediately fire a rocket at the top half. So it the building kind of reforms and then immediately blows up at the top again. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of this. It's fun stuff. Yeah, it's trippy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good stuff. Um, and I, I also like. There's a lot of good visuals. There's a lot of people like getting sucked into walls that are reforming. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's good that too. That's pretty brutal. Um, or like people say, just tripping over parts of buildings that start flying upward for some reason. I felt like <laughs> understanding what was going on in this third act really could have been better. And I don't think it was a case of, you know, it's, it's not like a... No, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character tries to do like a breakdown, like red team and blue team was, are going to do this. Yeah, it... um, but it's really hard to follow, like it... his his lecture. It, co it comes across as both like over explained but also i'm still confused and doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense um and i think you know that is a legitimate flaw and one that it makes the, the third act feel a little bit weird because I, I don't quite necessarily understand why everyone's doing what they're doing at all times which is something that i think when you get to the third act because it's not like it's a david lynch movie this is not some like weird ethereal movie where i'm supposed to be just be interpreting things that's not what this, this third act is it's mm -hmm. a, a movie 
final act where they're trying to get to a MacGuffin to save the world, it should feel relatively simple. And yet, it like I don't really understand why there's certain things happening at certain points. It's just kind of. I think those those details are explained earlier in the film, like by mm. the uh, the Anglo Indian woman. I think she especially talks about the MacGuffin piece and the rules of that, but it's it's hard to understand her, and she uh, it's just the sound mixing is hard. So, I mean, maybe when we are able to watch it with subtitles, we'll be able to explain this better. I mean, <laughs> but, that's if Christopher Nolan allows subtitles on the disc. He's going to be like, no, no subtitles in my film. <laughs> How dare they? But what about deaf people? Ah, screw them. They, they, they don't get deserve cinema. <laughs> There'd be somebody in the corner signing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, same language. They get same language. So, so as regular people can't understand it. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, they're regular people. They're just deaf. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I just I meant. I, I just meant pe- people who yeah can't read same language. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so. Well, I was going to get to point-wise. Okay, so, yeah, the other thing I liked was the idea that when they get down into, like, you know, it ends up just being, like, Aaron Taylor-Johnson and uh, and the protagonist, and they're down, and someone with a blue sticker on um, basically is lying there dead, and then mm-hmm. because they're in reverse, they eventually actually get up and, like, stop a bullet from hitting the protagonist, and they never reveal his face, so you're kind of going, oh, it's probably somehow going to be Patterson that just sacrificed yeah. himself, but it happened in reverse, and again, that's a really cool way of showing a sacrifice, right? Um, yeah, and we get to see his little keychain that he has on yeah. his backpack, presumably for good luck or something. Which they yeah. reveal at the end, because when he says he, he still has to go back and like solve some loose ends timeline-wise, mm-hmm. uh, it turns around and he's got the little thing dangling, so you know it's him. It's like a right. reveal. And and the protagonist has to make this choice not to tell him, because he can't like mess with the timeline. Right. Um, uh, because this is the interesting thing is that basically says you know you never told me who hired you and like who brought you into this world and this organization this war and he says you haven't you figured it out yet it was you uh i mean it was obviously a later for you and i was much younger but you know that's what's going to happen and that's a really fun idea and the, you know the movie for the protagonist kind of ends with you know he succeeded in getting uh you know cat back to her son because that was the, that was the thing we didn't really mention is that the husband was basically keeping her and her son separate almost all the time, except for when he's also around and when there's supervision. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was forcing her, forcing the kid to be with like a nanny, like almost all the time and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the kid really did seem very distant from his mother too. Yeah, which is kind of the point, but it it does kind of feel like oh, it's a plot device, and it's not. We're not even going to pretend that it's not a plot device by actually getting yeah. to know the kid or anything like that. Um, but you know, it ends with this idea where you know, the woman who's been sort of, like, giving him some information is going to kill her because no one, no civilians can know that this war's going on. But he ends up sort of, like, getting the, the drop on her and he kills her. And he's like, no, I'm the leader. Like, I'm the one who's, like, recruited myself. I'm the one who is fighting this war. Um, And this is kind of what I was talking about when I said that there's so many big ideas about the mythology in this world, about, like, him essentially... This almost feels like the origin story of the leader of a war, uh, or at least a side of the war, Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we could build up to whoever this mysterious force, maybe centuries in the future, who's waging war through time. It's kind yeah. of an interesting, you know, idea to explore. And even the idea that... War uh, with your past generations who screwed things up. It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and even the idea that, uh, you know, the, the villain gets, like, like essentially time capsules 
like that are put in yeah. the water in reverse and he's like you know the idea that no one else can find them when he gets to them because he's got specific coordinates or whatever so yeah and he can leave any kind of other capsule or, or message for the future and they get it instantly yeah because it'll just already be there yeah that's mm-hmm. classic time travel stuff yeah it's like if you leave yeah. a message then travel in time it'll be there uh yeah so all that stuff is like super fascinating um but it is kind of weird how like we have had a lot of genuine critiques as we've went through the story where either you know technical stuff like the sound mix but there is the, i think the third act is is a little bit poorly explained even though it's kind of this weird catch-22 on the one hand it's poorly explained and overly complicated but at the same time it's also this really overly simplified there's a ticking time bomb that we have to get to and the mm-hmm. MacGuffin is just this weird like rod of shapes that have been stuck together you know, right. uh, it, it feels very like, oh, we need a MacGuffin, so that's just, yeah, that's, that'll do. <laughs> like, it doesn't feel like <laughs> much thought went into what it actually is, bizarrely. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's still, even after two watches, the understanding exactly what the MacGuffin is and why it's necessary to explode it. And they're like, is there a bomb also? Some of the details are just not very clear. And I... I mean, we d- we also didn't mention that, you know, DeBecky has this a history with her husband where she, at that vacation, saw a woman, like, jump off, like, another woman he was with mm. jump off the boat. And that's sort of where she, like, turned, like, into, I'm just not going to do anything for him now. And it's not just that he was, you know, cheating on her from her perspective. But also, she was just so envious that a woman could just leave him. Yeah. And <laughs> just, it, like, swan dive off the ship and be done with him forever. But the irony is, of course, is that that's actually it's herself. actually her, and she yeah. does have this moment of escape and yeah. having a life again. Yes, little did she know that her future self went back in time and got the thrill of killing her husband and slight... Because she actually she like puts a bunch of, like, suntan lotion on the deck mm-hmm. and, like, takes off a couple of the chains on the, the sort of the, the safety chains so inside of the boat. Vroom. <laughs> and she just slides him off the ship and it's actually quite satisfying because he has his head yeah. off like the side of the, the ship but it, uh, you know right no it's not really a ship it's more of a boat than a ship so it, is are there two cats then in this world it, well this is this is why i was joking it's just like primer it's the exact same as primer where when they go back in time until okay. until, until the, they hit that moment where they yeah. go back in time there's yes. two cats and yes. she has and to like lay low just like primer until they hit that time where the original versions go in the machine mm-hmm. there's two of them okay so that's why that's why i said primer has trained you for this because right. it's literally primer logic <laughs> and then there's uh predestination logic where the protagonist is actually the creator of tenet yes yes that's the predestination side of things yes right um so i mean yeah if we were doing i, mean, I don't know if it would make our top 10 time travel that's a debate that we'll have someday maybe if we do a second take on that list but i think this would definitely count as a time travel movie there's no way it is oh, definitely yeah yeah um, and it's a very unique type of time travel where you can only go backwards or you can go forward in regular time but like you can yeah. only go backwards and there are limitations like you can't go back and see dinosaurs because you have to have special air to breathe yes oh i think the, the weird thing about it is that i went into it knowing that time was playing a factor like there's some things that are reversing but mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily think there was going to be straight up time travel like where they're, they're literally going back in time but obviously the, the whole you... plot is a palindrome what? yeah but by the, time you, by the time you get to the last half of the movie though that like we're doing tons of it there's tons of characters going back in time it's like yeah 
you know there's like four of these machines that we see there's the one in the vault there's the one that kenneth brana has there's one in the the that dig site or that war zone and then yeah. the boat has like uh, maybe multiple on the boat that they're just sending soldiers through yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating. I, I kind of love that Nolan did just say this, go nuts with this concept, and like that we'll have mm-hmm. like a war being fought where there's two halves of the same army are going through time in the opposite direction, and we get this. So no matter what side, what perspective we're viewing it from, we're seeing things happening both forwards and reverse. Because obviously, when someone's going through time in reverse, everything else looks like it's going in reverse because mm-hmm. they're to them they're going forward, but everything else is in reverse. So it's it's. <laughs> it's weird um, it's really weird which maybe brings up the question shouldn't the people who are going through time in reverse be walking backwards all the time and i would say that no they because, have some kind of like yeah of their own autonomy once they're going backwards yeah once they're aware and they're going through it willingly they can they can sort of go through it but, but people observe them moving backwards walking backwards <laughs> people who are in the regular time It makes sense. Yeah, they kind of do. Did they always though? I'm I'm trying to think of some examples in the movie because there's definitely examples where you see people running backwards. That definitely happens. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm wondering. Yeah, I guess they always do look like they're going backwards. Yeah. I guess that's right. Look, there's a lot to comprehend. Okay, there's a lot. To think yeah, about. this is definitely a movie that benefits from multiple viewings with subtitles. With subtitles, yes. <laughs> I. You know, like I think this movie is so fascinating, and it gets a lot of the because as much as much as we're complaining about the sound mix, there's so many good technical qualities aside from that. Like, mm-hmm. and I think the music is really good. The music adds a lot to the movie. Oh yeah, and it's it's interesting. The uh, when we are focusing on the blue team, the music's actually in reverse. Mm. So it's kind of a helpful guide. And when we're doing the, the the hallway fight backwards, and when we're doing the driving scene backwards, that's also reverse which is pretty clever yeah um i think the the technical stuff from the action like playing with the concepts of the of the rules and how it functions into various action sequences and various you know straight up war sequences is really fascinating stuff um i do think that the heart of the movie could be stronger by quite Mm -hmm. a bit because i do think the weakest elements the villain and because the heart of the film is related to the villain i think it drags that down a little bit and I think there's parts of it that kind of work where, okay, I get what it's doing, and it, you know, it, it works well enough, but it, it feels like it's it's there to serve a function so the plot works, rather than making me care in the way that it should. Whereas I do think Inception pulls that off. I think in Inception I do care about the heart of the film and about Leo's guilt and him sort of overcoming that. I think this film's kind of missing that. It's, it's kind of, it's the raw hard science fiction concept executed very, very well as like a series of ideas. But it isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a complete 100% full start-to-finish story with emotional resonance, I suppose, to get a bit pretentious with my well done. description. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you agree? Do you disagree? I mean... Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, the heart is, of the film is a little bit lacking, and I don't think it's Debecky's fault. I think it's just... I think I would have liked to have seen more of a, fi- of a family dynamic that is lost Mm -hmm. i wanted to care like there's a moment where they they're talking to her and they say oh the whole world will be will explode or whatever everyone will die and she goes including my son (laughs) and i can't help can't help but giggle when she said it (laughs) like well yeah your son is included with the whole world 
but yeah. also oh yeah you have a son <laughs> yeah i feel like i forgot that this whole motivation for you was your actually just to be with your boy i think a big part of it is that i i really want to hate the villain so that i really care about her getting away from he really is this trap for her he has this awful like thing. and obviously there's lots of scenes where him being awful and doing awful things yeah but... he, like he beats her he kicks her but um, he's he's so cartoony like I, I think you know him opening up essentially his first proper scene where he gets to talk is him making that threat with the balls in the throat he's so mm-hmm. cartoony for like, as a movie villain that i just never take him like super seriously like he, he, yeah. he just comes across as too much of a movie trope and because of that even though he's being awful to her it never it never transcends it to the point where i feel like he's really threatening where like it feels almost uncomfortable how really he's coming across or anything like that it never feels like that he never mm-hmm. feels dangerous in, in a more kind of, I don't know, like, visceral way. It always just kind of feels like, ah, oh, yeah, he's a movie villain, and I'm sure he'll get his comeuppance by the end. And I never kind of, like, divorced myself from that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm sure Tara's delighted that I actually had things to complain about <laughs> in a Nolan movie. I don't have that kind of, I don't know, part of my personality where I need to have that I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know the right word. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't need to feel vindicated. I have my opinion of Nolan that's different than yours. Hey, you don't have to you don't need to need vindication, but you may enjoy vindication anyway. You can you no. can enjoy something without needing it. Don't need it. Don't want it. Okay. All I right. want Tanet to be better. <laughs> I mean no, I mean this is very it good. It would be vindicated is- if you watched inception and went okay i see it <laughs> Shut, <laughs> that's, no, that's not happening that's not happening the inception's fantastic <laughs> i you know th- th- this is definitely a nolan movie though unlike dunkirk which was this you know like fantastic it was a war ne- film it was very a, tasteful and intense. it was a net she had to scratch and i'm glad he scratched and it's over with and we can move on back to proper nolan films but it is worth mentioning that this does have enough to critique in it that you know, it wasn't like when I left the theaters after Inception or Dark Knight, where I left the theaters feeling like, holy shit, I just saw something that, like, I'm going to cherish. Uh, this, I think, is, you know, maybe similar to... And, and I mean, not similar. I, I just mean similar in the sense that my feeling of it is not, like, the, the 10 out of 10 that I got from those two movies, right? Where uh, it's, like, it's very good and it's very experimental and I love all the things that he's trying to do. But not everything in the movie actually completely works. Not everything actually is a home run. Okay. I really like the science fiction parts of it a lot. And I really like mm-hmm. the action part of it. I like the chemistry between the two leads. Um, there are some things that bring it down for me. But overall, like I really enjoyed my experience in the theater. And I am really looking forward to watching it again to try to like get closer to understanding the overall how this works. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to. like I, I find it a really in, enticing puzzle that I want to be able to figure out much like much like primer like I think if I can somehow get there on my own I'll have become a better person somehow <laughs> I wonder I wonder if there's even a hint of an inspiration of primer in this I wonder if Nolan would admit you to think that he felt threatened by <laughs> <laughs> by it uh, I mean at the same time though I totally buy that it could just be a coincidence because 
If he started with the idea of something going backwards, I totally get how he could arrive at the time travel mechanic that's very similar to Primer, just from mm-hmm. that starting point, without it, and, you know, without having like seen Primer and being like, oh, I'm going to do something similar to that. Well, I mean, time is, messing with time is kind of his thing. Oh, he does a lot of it, yeah. He was, he was sort of always going to make this movie, right? At some point, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, obviously, I'm I'm always excited about a new Nolan film, and I'm fascinated. And I think where does this rank for me in Nolan's? Like, I'll have to see it again before I can even begin to like think with about subtitles. that with subtitles. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, but it's definitely not at the bottom because Dunkirk exists. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and, I, and you're pro- trying to goad me into something here, but and I probably, I probably, like, I'll be honest, Tara, I'm. I, I'm not trying. Me cracking jokes about Dunkirk is nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with trying to get a rise out of you. It's just my own annoyance that he made a movie that just was so not for me that I, I kind of <laughs> resent him for it a little bit. Uh, I know. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> You're not alone. Um, but I'm a, I'm a self-aware. Okay. Uh, what nerd? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Take your pick. Uh, but I, I, I do. Th- this movie has a lot to offer. It really does. Um, and it's one of these things where, like, you know, if I, if I look at any filmography of a director that I love who, you know, has already had their whole career, either because they're dead or just because they're, you know, they're old and they're retired or whatever, you know, someone who was making movies in the 70s and 80s and 90s and, you know, then called it a day, like, so many of them, like, yeah, they'll have, like, two or three movies that i love 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 but then i'll have a lot of movies that i think are really good and feel like they're from those directors but aren't necessarily their best and this definitely i think falls into that kind of category where i love a lot of what it's doing it feels like a lot of the things that i love about nolan's films but it does have a bit more you know problems than some of his best stuff you know i do think inception and dark knight are the ones that are you know going to be standing the test of time and then some of the other ones as well maybe uh, with more of an argument perhaps but uh yeah but as it is, I, I would, you know, there's a few of them that I'd put this above. I don't, I don't want this to sound like it's going towards the bottom of the pack necessarily. I think it's more in the middle of the pack. But uh, mm-hmm. should we rate it? I think we think we're at that point. Uh, I was kind of summing up anyway, so uh, I'll let you sum up and give your your rating. Okay. Well, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I gave Inception an eight because I do think it's a really like interesting and and fun blockbuster movie but ultimately i had a problem with the concept of it and that i never really got over and i like this more i i really do i like i like the the in the the puzzle i like i like the science fiction part more um i mean i for me this is a step above like interstellar which is also another like fantastic sci-fi movie he made, but I had issues with, especially like the end. But the the promise of an exciting new science fiction movie from a creative director is, you know, it's always going to especially one that's not based on some. It's, you know, it's like he he makes movies that he just yeah, oh he has an idea and he goes and makes a movie yeah. about it. Yeah, and it's always you know his movies are an event, and I I mean I like the Dark Knight trilogy. I think it's a great superhero trilogy i don't it's not on a pedestal for me either but it's (laughs) but i i do like them um but i i think this might be my second favorite 
<laughs> of Ooh. the Nolan films because I really did well, enjoy just, watching it. Before you get to your rating, I just want to just, just add a couple of things to what you said there. Um, I think you mentioned Interstellar and you said it's a, a sci-fi film that's great but has flaws. I think, yeah, I, I think Interstellar mm -hmm. and this have a lot in common. Not in plot or anything that's happening, just in the sense that I think my overall feeling in both of them is kind of like they both have a lot of things I love, but there's they both yeah. have faults that I, I can point at and say, you know, this works and this doesn't work. Yeah, like in we haven't reviewed it yet, so yeah. I, I kind of want to save my opinion. We will but get to it, yeah. We will get to it eventually. And, <laughs> Spo you know, I, spoiler, I just... she hates all the Anne Hathaway scenes. Spoiler. Oh, definitely. <laughs> She's not in this movie, which is an extra knock-up. Oh, sure. But I, I really did enjoy watching this, and I, I really am looking forward to watching it again and accepting the challenge of trying to figure out the plot <laughs> and how it all works together and i know the details are there and i just need to watch it again to to really get my questions answered and uh i look forward to it so i'm i'm gonna give it 8.5 okay um I, I think one of the things you said there as well that i'd love to just extrapolate on a little bit is you said that it's a really complicated plot. You don't necessarily understand all of it, but you know the answers are there. And I think that's something that when we sit and talk about how, okay, we don't entirely get this detail or that detail yet, and we're talking about looking for it. I, I, I know some snooty people, you know, I'm not saying, I mean, most of our YouTube commenters are nice enough, but you do get snooty people on the internet who'll say, but isn't a big failure of the film, you know, because you complain about like, these other movies that are messy, don't work. And, and here's the thing though, like when I'm watching a Nolan movie, I get that the details are all there, and I know that it all actually works once you actually put more thought into it. It's just, he, he packs them with so much detail that, that it's so intricate that there's so much stuff going on. It's not like I'm watching a movie where the director or the, the creative force, the writers, didn't put any thought into it, and it's just a mess that doesn't make any sense. Like, with this, I know it's just, it's just so complex that I have to really think about it and, like, get all the details and see it a few times, and, like, but mm. I know... I trust them. Like at the very least, it feels like the answers are all there. It feels like, like he had some insane like board with red, you know, red string going oh, definitely with all the things, and it, it was all worked out. And the, him and his team all knew what they were doing. It, like it, it feels that way at the very least. And mm -hmm. Just based on his past movies, like with Inception and some of the other ones, like they, they do end up making sense for the most part. And like Memento's obviously one where it's on a much smaller scale, but even that's a very complex movie in the sense that it's going backwards and forwards at the same time. Oh, doesn't that sound familiar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but anyway, my rating, yeah. Uh, as you said a couple of things that spark some thoughts. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, my rating, uh, I am probably going to get, for now at least, I'm going to give this a straight solid 8 out of 10. Um, it's a movie with flaws, but everything that I love about it, I really love. And mm -hmm. it's a movie from a director whose work I tend to love, and all of the stuff that I love him for is in here. But there's definitely examples of him, you know, hitting more of a home run uh, for me. So this is this is where I land. Which isn't, you know, it almost sounds like I'm saying it's a disappointment. And I guess if I go, if I go in saying this might be another 10 out of 10 from Nolan, it's okay that it's not. It's okay that sometimes he gives me an eight or a nine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I really, I don't think he's made his best movie yet. I yes. think, he, like, he's so creative, and I, I do look forward to his next film. I, and honestly, I, I like his later movies. I think, I think he gets a little bit better each time. I can only hope that he has made his worst already. I can only hope. Yeah, probably following. Oh no, I like following. That was meh. Nah, nah, Dunkirk. Dunkirk's <laughs> the worst one. The 
Dark, Dark Kirk's like uh, just a total snooze fest. It's like, okay, I get it. It's a war. People died. Oh. <laughs> you are real respectful. <laughs> Look, no. In the real world, yes. Right? In a movie, I'm you sure still you've ha- had a lot of ancestors who died. In, in a movie, you still have to make me care about them. Okay? You still have to make me care about the characters. Just because it's a real tragedy in real life does not mean I'll care about the characters in the movie by default. This goes for any anything. Well, to quote the legendary, the master that is Christian Bale, good for you! (laughs) (laughs) It was a movie that Nolan made for me. Yes, okay. And I am grateful for the gift. I'm glad you got the one. (laughs) Can can we move on? (laughs) Actually, uh, one last comparison with Deception is I actually think I also like the sci-fi element in this more than Deception, in the sense that this sci-fi element of the time moving backwards, like on items and people, is more interesting to my taste than getting to dreams is. But I mm-hmm. think the overall story and the heart and deception is better, and it's better constructed overall. But I mean, that's—I mean, we don't have to debate that. I'm just comparing the so, two for me is like how, how there's still that that same Nolan trope of just girlfriends and wives just have it so hard in, in Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, but at least in this one, she doesn't die. That's true. And it she looked like she die. was about to at one point, and I was like, God, Nolan, don't fridge another woman, please. <laughs> don't fridge another one. Don't let Tara be right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, believe it or not, I actually care about him not fridging women for more universal reasons. <laughs> I'm glad. Yes. All right. Thank you. So that's it. Yes, that is, that is Tanette. Um, now we do the whole thing backwards. Yes. So... What's your rating out of ten, Tara? I already said it's eight point five. Yes, no, I was a joke because that's what, that's what oh. we ended with. So I was going to start going backwards, but the, the so bad at that. <laughs> I thought that joke was relatively obvious, but it's okay. It's okay. I know. <laughs> I'm just I'm never on the same page as you. <laughs> Must be that Scottish humor. It um, doesn't translate. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, if you're not I Scottish, work around a lot of lead paint. So yeah, if you're not, me. if you're not Scottish and you got that joke, yeah, let me know in the comments. Let, let me feel better. <laughs> Maybe feel better that my joke just didn't die a horrible death immediately, and it's just Tara being Tara. It'll make me yeah. feel better at least. Yeah, it'll make me feel not so better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a fair point. Maybe don't do that because it'll make Tara feel feel uh, a bit goofier, I suppose. All right. Uh, but that is that is Tanette. Hopefully you enjoyed our rambles and are trying to construct what the movie was doing. <laughs> Which, by the way, Tanette is a palindrome of the word ten, forward and backwards, T E N, E T, which is kind of like the last climactic battle of the movie where they had both watches, red team and blue team, that are ten counting down backwards for. I don't know. Well, it was a thing well, te- I read. Technically, one, one is counting down, the other one's counting forward. Right. Surely. Yes. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? So, counting up. <laughs> counting up to ten. Counting down right. to ten, counting up to ten. Right. <laughs> Depending on your perspective. It just makes sense, right? It just all makes sense. Don't... It, it, yeah, it clicks. <laughs> yes. Um, I thought you were going to say Tanette's a palindrome. You're like, we're really, we're ending with that point. You didn't. That's that's where you put that that tidbit. The whole plot is a palindrome. 
<laughs> Very last point to make. Teresa Palindrome. Um, okay, I think we're at the point there. So if, if you uh, if you made it this far in the review, in the comments on YouTube, put the word MacGuffin. That's MacGuffin. Uh, just to say it, like, the way you'd spell it. MacGuffin. <laughs> uh, I think it's spelled that way. I've never actually had to type out, I don't think. I'm sure um, it's a Mick. MacGuffin. Yeah. I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the movie theater has a bar. The movie theater here has a mm -hmm. bar that's called MacGuffins. Really? <laughs> yeah. But I didn't go to that theater because it's closed. Because I live in California and they're not open yet in my county. I had to drive three hours to go. Actually, there's traffic because it's holiday weekend. So we drove four and a half hours to go see this movie twice <laughs> yeah that's that's what happened the things uh, i do for you guys hey to be fair i, I didn't say to tara she had to go see the movie i said i'll wait until she can see it and then she's like oh I'm going well this. i had an opportunity and yeah. I, i'm going my this sister's already. a nolan super fan and she's like i'm going come with me <laughs> uh so yes i'm gonna make tara do her pose now for the thumbnail uh so uh make sure your head's not cut off at the top of the frame what do I do? I don't know. Be backwards. I got it. I know <laughs> how to do that. Are you not used to head still cut off? There you go. <laughs> All right. Three. Just slouch. Three, two, one. Pause. There you go. Okay. It's my gun. Okay. <laughs> do I have to get a really expensive suit for for the thumbnail? Do I have to like? Get yeah. all slick looking. If you're a fan of suits, this movie's for you. Mm. A lot of great suits. Yes. Uh, maybe I will. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but, yes, there you go. That is Tanette. This has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment uh, discussion of said film. Um, you can, of course, let us know what you thought. Please do like. Liking is super important. It helps us get more audience members, and it's an easy and free way to support us. And we also mentioned Patreon earlier, though, if you want to give us some monies, you can do that over there. Patreon.com slash TV. For as little as one dollar per month. Uh guys on Twitter at the Ace Podcast and uh yeah, rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, five stars and a little review. It helps us the same way as liking on YouTube does, so you can support us on either side of the uh medium that you choose to consume this wonderful content. Um yes. so there you go. Uh Tara, would you like to promote any other Mail Fuzz TV material? Yes. Think about it. Think about it some more. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think that you should watch our other show. Uh, it's called Already Cancelled because we have a new show starting today for patrons. <laughs> we are doing uh, Babylon 5, so come check it out. Thank you. And if you're patrons, you get to watch it now. What are you? <laughs> what are you we, dying over there we, for? We, we have a new show. It's called Already Cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Already Cancelled has existed in some form for three years, but. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe people don't, don't, don't know about it. <laughs> Already Cancelled. We have a new show on our old show. Yes. Already Cancelled literally existed before you were doing any content. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and my dear. brain's broken, okay? I had to explain to Matt. 
Yes, yes. Uh, which you did a very, you had some interesting tidbits actually. So thank everyone to thank Tara for seeing it twice. <laughs> what? Don't patronize me. I'm not patronizing you. There was a whole thing in the opening that I didn't even remember about the 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 the, the MacGuffin bit. Mm. You're that you that you did remember because you saw it twice. Yeah. Had you seen that once, would you have remembered that? You said you didn't earlier, I don't think, but... No, and and maybe, because, you know, he gets the thing and it's like, this isn't the plutonium, and it's a mm. square doohickey that we see later. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I remembered seeing it before, but I didn't remember. I couldn't have told you where I saw it earlier in the movie. I know it popped up, though. Um, but there you go. That is tonight. That has been our review. Our deconstruction. And critique. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is, I mean, it is worth seeing. Now, admittedly, with the asterisks of, is it worth seeing in a pandemic if you don't feel comfortable going to a theatre? No, you can wait. If, if anything, it may be better with subtitles. So like, Maybe wait. Yeah, maybe wait until it's on VOD. Um, you know, I had I, to plug my ears a couple of times. The sound was so loud. Yeah, I, uh, I, I literally, I mean, my ticket was just an email on my phone, which they scanned with a scanner. So I didn't even like hand anything to anyone or get handed anything by anyone. I never mm-hmm. touched anything while I was there. There was, like, one other person in the theater. Uh, like, it was kind of surreal uh, as an experience, but I never really felt like I was in any, like, peril. So, no. Uh, but, you know, I mentally don't. I, I chose to go to a time where I knew it would be as quiet as possible. I mean, which I kind of do anyway because I don't like people being there, but, <laughs> like, especially just now uh, with everything going on. But uh, if you don't feel safe going to the theater, don't go. Wait. Get, get in VOD. No harm in waiting. Uh by any means but we both had a chance to go see it so hey why not talk about it why would we wait if we're both seeing it so there you go thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction guys nick if peak Ding wah. This is so dumb. <laughs> I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say the last sentence backwards. It's really hard. I know. It's really hard. <laughs> see, see if see if I actually wrote it out, I could probably do it. But it's hard to do it in your head. I'd have to look at it backwards mm-hmm. to do it. All right, guys, we're done. Thank you very much. Just been an extra lengthy review. You're always welcome joining us. Keep watching science fiction, guys, and computer at Celsius. We live in a twilight world.